Seinfeld, the caddy, is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are not about to split an O. Henry bar anytime soon. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Akiva Whitaker. Akiva, how are you? I thought you were going to call us Braless Wonders. I believe me, I thought about it. I thought about it, and I said, "Let me skip that and avoid just getting made fun of and roasted on Twitter for that." And listen, don't Too don't easy. don't do things just to you know just out of fear of the trolls. Oh, there's a major fear of the trolls, and it really dictates my entire life. Uh, I, I, Paul Elliott also suggested two guys who would never trade Jay Buhner for Kel- Ken Phelps. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Okay, always appreciate the suggestion. Sometimes it comes easy, other times it's a reach, but I feel a lot of pressure that Akiva's just on the line waiting for me to start the show. So we just go with whatever. What uh, are you going to do? Yeah. How, you sound different. What's going on with you? Okay, so I am in my parents' house. I am in my bedroom, of which that basically we moved into this house in 1992. So basically my... Uh, bedroom from the point where i was like 14 15 years old up until i went to college and sometime after then my brother ended up taking over this room here in the basement afterwards so i think this is the first seinfeld podcast i'm recording here we've recorded a couple where i've been at nicole's house at my wife's house but for the most part i think i've been pretty smart about our scheduling where i've just like let's just do the show before i go away and that's a lot easier and i totally blew it this time um yeah i think that uh well first of all uh you know i was just in new york so we missed each other and i Mm -hmm. think um last year if i remember correctly we did a couple where you were at your in-laws house and yes i I, I believe and i want to think of the episode one that i was even uh at my parents house which is really only like 10 miles away from each other or something maybe even less yeah and it was last summer. Yeah. We did an episode. It was the one we were talking about uh, American salami. Whatever episode they were yeah, talking about right. bologna sandwiches. Yeah. That's where that's where we were. You're right. And, and and it took us two. It was the only time ever where we didn't finish in one shot. We we had to come back yeah. the next day and finish. It's like and a two parter. In hindsight, I think that was probably our best chance ever for an in person podcast. That's the puppy yeah. shirt, by the way, the bologna episode. Yes, I don't know that. What an episode. And I don't know if we'll get another shot at that. I mean, maybe I next remember, summer or, yeah. or if we do the finale in Australia. I think I also watched an episode. I think I watched The Note at my in-laws house and then podcast with you like as soon as I got home one time. And mm-hmm. then another time, I know that we recorded in the basement. I think it was the time that your wife came in and started screaming about the snake. That was also while I was at my in-laws. Was it the snake or the or the scorpion? That was two because I, whatever, that was two separate whatever ones. Whatever vermin, I yeah. can believe it was a snake. Yeah, snake. Yeah. The scorpion was yes. on the porch. That was, I think, at like three in the morning. Yeah, she came in. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> and you're like, I have to go. And then you came back and said, yeah, my wife just had me capture and kill a snake. I mean, it would not even capture. I just like stepped on it. it was so little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to say that that might have been. Um, <laughs> What what's the the cashmere sweater? Is that what it is? Was that that? How do you first the, of all, how do you remember dot, the red that? dot? I think it might have been okay. I think is is that is that what I never can remember what the episode unless it's like a, a a truly iconic name. It's like the episode. It's like I, I talk about them like their friends episodes. The one with the cashmere sweater and the red dot. But is it is it the red dot? Yes, the red dot is okay. cashmere sweater. That, yeah. What you know? What do you think of this episode? Well, I guess we could transition into talking about the caddy. 
Yeah, I think it's a terrible name. I love the episode and I hated the name. It's like the caddy is again, like if I was coming up with the top Wait, 10 do you want to names. Say, let's say it at the same time because I think we both, we were going to say the same name. What are we? What are we gonna say? Well, let's see. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have it. Like, Rob, I, it wasn't like yeah. obvious to me. Okay. Rob is great improviser, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that what you were gonna say? Yeah, of course. That's of course what the okay. episode should be. Obviously, it should be the bra. Yeah. There's not even. A, there's be. not even like a second. Ch- you know. It first of all, the caddy, and they may not have known this at the time. The caddy comes two weeks before the Cadillac, which everyone calls a caddy, which makes no sense. Oh, also. interesting. Yeah, I wonder if the bra was just too hot for NBC. Or, you know, sometimes you like to say that, like, you don't, you know, because the bra is kind of a gag that happened. Like, she's braless, but then it's a it's a gag gift that's sort of like, it's not so late in the episode, but it's, it is still a reveal by Elaine. So sometimes mm-hmm. maybe you don't and want to step on a joke. Suella Mishki. That, well, that's, yeah. that's for sure true. But there's really yeah. nothing, like, you can't say the car, that's not specific enough. Uh, the, I'd say the other option is the O'Henry bar. The O'Henry bar. Or, that, that's okay. I mean, the caddy isn't terrible. It's probably the third choice you'd go with out of the, anything. But the caddy isn't even really like a funny character. No. So I think you go with the bra, maybe the parked car or the, I don't know. There's not a lot of, there's really not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. So whatever. It's it's not great. And it makes it hard to remember what it is when the name isn't exactly on the nose. But uh, what are we going to do? It's a very fun episode. I really did enjoy this one. And uh, why don't we just get into it? Episode 122 from January 26th, 1996, written by Cavett and Robin. Yeah. Um, Greg Cavett, Andy Robin. Yeah. So 58 more to go after this one. That's it, really not much more than a year. People have been asking us a lot this week, like, what are you guys going to do next? What, what's after mm-hmm. Seinfeld? Yeah. And it's... We really I have a we, gap year planned. We have 58, 58 weeks left. Like, who knows yeah. if we even finish this thing? Do you like the idea of the gap year? Uh, taking a gap year? Well, listen, I took a gap year. I took two because I was very immature after high school. Yeah. I figured, like, I wasn't ready for college. So then I went, I'm like, oh, I'm still not ready for college. And then you just got married. And then I got married, like, uh, nine months after I started college. Yeah. So maybe in hindsight, yeah. I should have taken zero gap years. <laughs> zero gap years. You know, could have finished college better. before I got married at that point and had a kid. I think so. I think so. So that would have been pretty good if you did that. But yeah, I don't know that people need to chill a little bit with the what are you going to do next? And also it's it's like I maybe part of it is like, okay, like we don't maybe it's like the non Seinfeld listeners who are like, all right, just wrap that up already. And, you know, stop wasting your time. Yeah, finish it up and let's move on to something else. But yeah, we have not come up with anything and stop asking. There's a long time to go. <laughs> yeah, 58 <laughs> weeks. Come back to us. Tunnel. Come, uh, 52 <laughs> weeks from now, six episodes to go. I feel like next, like September 1st-ish, come to us and yeah. we'll talk about In it. In season nine. Season nine, that's when we'll talk about that. Okay, okay. just that. Yes. All right. That's all we'll talk about. So Jerry's opening stand up in this episode, he talks about how a lot about golf and golf broadcasting. Why are people surprised when somebody gets hit with the ball? Now, Keeve, you are the consummate sports fan. How often does somebody get hit with the ball at a golf event? I think probably every tournament it happens a couple of times. Okay. Oh, I didn't happen that often. Because, you know, it happens on TV enough and they're only showing you like, you know, some tournaments have a hundred something golfers. They're only showing you like the top few guys, like most of their strokes. So you multiply that. It's got to happen a lot. And th- like if you if you take out the head and just to get hit by a ball, that happens, you know, constantly. 
And are people getting hit on the drive or is it sort of like people are trying to, you know, uh, with the iron shot? Like what, what ball is hitting people? I mean, it really depends on, you know, if it's a part five, if it's a part three. I think probably the drive. I mean, it's, you know, or, oh. or a second shot on a part five probably is is somewhat common also. Uh, it's hard to, you know, to hit someone. Uh, part threes happen, but like the way a lot of them are structured, that's hard to do. And you usually have more control, you know. The longer the shot, the less control of it you have, right? So, the, does it, it involve a hospital visit? If you, if the average person gets hit with a golf ball, they're fine. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, I think like just the tournament, you know, gives them like a voucher for something, and they're okay. Okay, maybe an ice All pack. Right. I, but I, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely been injuries. It's not like hockey where so you know someone's been killed by a puck or baseball where you could actually get hurt. Mm-hmm. Jerry also talks about how he's so impressed with the cameraman in the golf on TV. Uh, it's a little bit okay. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's an interesting observation, but I, I don't know how much any of the golf stuff really holds <laughs> Not up. Not much for him. of a joke there. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, that's pretty amazing that they do that, right? I mean, it is hard. Like, I, I, it is something I've thought I bet. of. Like, yeah. it, it's not. But I guess you know, you do it every week for you know, hundred shots or two hundred shots, and you probably get the hang of it after after a few months. It's probably hard to be a camera person in many sporting events. What do you think is the easiest sport to be a cameraman in? Boy, I would say just overall the easiest. I feel like uh, the NBA. Yeah, I guess. I was going to say like table tennis because it's the small, it's like field. But then, no, you're mm-hmm. switching back every half second. You sort of have to like flip the camera right. back and right. forth. The ball doesn't move that fast uh, in basketball. Everybody's sort of in the same spot. Hard to really miss something in a basketball telecast. Right. You know, sometimes in football is hard. Like sometimes you have the play fake. And then the announcer, the, the cameraman gets fooled. And I bet like yeah, some guy's faked. speaking to them for sure. Yeah, you're getting yeah, in trouble yeah, yeah. if you if you're, you know, yeah. still on the quarterback. Uh, he and bit on the Chad Pennington play action. That's how you know it's a good play action, right? When the quarterback is is faking the cameraman out. Yeah. All right. So we start this episode off. Jerry and George are in Jerry's apartment. And they're talking about how George is locked out of his car in his Yankee Stadium parking lot. And he just joined the motor club. And he is going to wait until they can come and help him. Keeve, are you a member of AAA? Uh, sure. I, yeah, I certainly have been at times in my life. Yeah, I think I have on my Geico, I think I have roadside assistance. And so that's what I have. But I've never, a couple of times I said oh, I should join AAA. And I got like the thing in the mail. And I said I should fill this out. But I never did. Yeah, they also have Jewish AAA. Oh. <laughs> which is like. Because like a lot of people go upstate for the summer, upstate New York, and then yes. so they have like uh, I think it's called like uh, Haverim, yeah, and and so basically like it had my wife needed it once, like you get you get like stranded upstate and there's like nobody for miles, but you call these guys and they come right away and they fix your car and you're on your way. Yeah, and do they test you? Oh like, no, no, you, no, just, you can call. You just... I'll give you Haverim's number. You you can they'll call them. They won't ask any questions. Yeah, and they <laughs> would come and they would help you even if you weren't Jewish. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the people who who help are are Jewish, but anybody could call them. Oh wow, yeah. Did I ever sort of when a rabbi started talking to me on a plane, and then uh, that uh, I told him I wasn't Jewish, and he just walked right away from me and stopped talking to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why was he yeah, talking to you in the first place, though? Do you look that like, like he was trying to? I, I'm curious. yeah. That's interesting. So I was have, like flying... a very bushy beard. Yeah, I was flying on Christmas, mm-hmm. and I guess he just must have assumed that, uh, that you know... Uh, Who has nowhere no... to be on Christmas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I was flying on Christmas. And then I forget what he asked me, and I said, like, oh, 
Uh, and he's like, oh, are you Jewish? And I was like, uh, oh, no, no, no. I was like, and he just walked away. He didn't even say like, well, Wait, nice to meet you. You were on an airplane and he walked away? Yeah. What was he like? Did he just come over to talk to you in the middle of the flight or this before he took off? I don't know. I guess that. Uh, Is this story said, true? <laughs> I, why would I lie about this? I don't know. Why would I lie? Who's like walking away from people what am on I, an airplane? Brian Williams? Why would I make this up? <laughs> to impress I feel you? like if you were Brian Williams, you could go a little <laughs> little harder than that. Like, yeah. we were hit by like a rocket launcher during the flight and he still wouldn't help Even- me. Yeah, even ask Nicole on Twitter if anybody doubts the story. If a rabbi just started talking to me, and then when it, when he asked me if I w- was Jewish, and I said no, that he just stopped the conversation and abruptly walked away. That's funny. She will testify to that. <laughs> Did not make that up. So then Kramer comes in and he is golfing, and uh, that he's so excited that he has Stan the caddy who's helping out. Keith, do you golf? I have golfed, but I, I, I retired. Too much yeah. walking, too much work for me. All right, so that Kramer is very pumped up because he's been golfing and Stan's been helping him out. And so Stan is giving Kramer advice about everything. Do you like Stan the caddy? I think the idea of Stan the caddy is funny. Like, the, he's useful in scenes, but the actor himself doesn't really give anything. People wanted to know, do you recognize Stan the caddy? Yes, he's Armin Shimmerman. He's uh, best known, I believe. I don't know if that's his number one job uh, that he's ever had. But he was a series regular on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He played Quark, who was the Ferengi owner of the watering hole on Deep Space Nine. On Star Trek Next Generation, they had a bar that was on the ship. This was a little bit more of a seedy bar called Quark. So I would they had say like anytime, anytime you bring up Star Trek, it like reaffirms that I've never watched it. Yes. Yes. Oh, why I, you've never watched it? Yeah. You know, he uh, you did you know there's a fun fact I, I saw in uh trivia for Seinfeld that um that Quark or Shimmerman, the Stan the Caddy, got into a fight with another actor on this episode in an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. No, who was who was it? Was it was uh Jackie Childs. Jackie Child I didn't even know Jackie Childs was on Deep Space he, Nine. He was uh he played Thopak. Okay. That's I mean, I don't know who that is. Okay. I mean, he was a series regular. He was like one of the main characters like uh, like he was uh, in like in the opening credits for okay. Deep Space 9. Got it. Um Jackie Childs might have just been on one episode. I mean, there's a lot of guest stars that come and go through Star Trek. But that being said, um really not a lot of meat here with uh the caddy Stan. No, he's he's a prop for, you know, scene at the end, but you know, he's the C or the D story here for sure. Yeah, oh, and uh that's not even a Suel and Mishki joke. <laughs> yeah so that's pretty good <laughs> he has a couple of good lines though i'll say yeah, about no, Stan Stan the the caddy. Fine. no we've had yeah i, I don't mind Stan the caddy he's, he's okay yeah. so he says that uh kramer might even end up being on the senior tour key do they still have the senior tour they do um it's sort of between like you know tiger's not old enough for it yet but like jack nicholas is retired so yeah. it's like tom watson and like a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of i think Okay. Um, I didn't even know it was still a thing. I yeah. used to know about it. It used to be on because... ESPN a lot, like before Sports Center on Sundays. Yeah. When I was in college and my freshman year of college, that I was on the TV station and I was covering sports. And there was like a show that was like sort of like a weekly sports roundup. And they had like a correspondent for everything. And I just wanted to like be doing broadcasting stuff. And I was the golf correspondent on this weekly college access tv show and i had a segment that was called in the bunker (laughs) you definitely came up with that name yourself 
I don't know what they were. I don't believe I did. I think that they 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 sort of said that this is going to be called in the bunker, and then I was like trying to make jokes and do wacky things about golf, and I think a lot of times I'd have to talk about the senior tour and what was going on, and I think that's the last time I saw anything about the senior tour was 1996. Yeah, I think it used to be bigger. The senior tour and the women's tour have both fallen on hard times in golf, actually. Yeah. It was huge, though, that Tiger won the Masters at the point in the fall of or the spring of 1997 when I was I was on the golf beat at yeah. the height of it. Yeah. You, you really parlayed that into uh, some serious golf money. <laughs> I really par- oh. I was overparred that <laughs> into some <laughs> golf gigs. And have you ever golfed? Okay. You, you didn't you didn't tell me. Have you ever gone golfing? No, no. Uh, mini golf. Yes. Uh, I've been to the driving range a couple of times. But um, actually, I think I went a couple of times like in college. Which I think is, like, everyone a who's a golfer's dad is a golfer. So your dad yeah. probably didn't golf. No, my dad hated it. I think that his friends got him like golf clubs for his birthday one, one year and he was like mad. He just didn't want it. my brother, though. It, my brother does everything, but he is a big golfer. He loves loves to golf. Oh, so you killed my theory because but but I do think most people yeah. golf. It's like because they went golfing with their dad when they were young. Yeah. Well, we see now Elaine meeting up with uh, Sue Ellen Mishki and the first appearance of her on the street. And it's the brawless wonder and uh she's totally out of control according to elaine and we see that she says this well mishki how you doing good line she says oh just hanging out very funny mm-hmm. yeah and it's Sue Ellen mishki's birthday keeve and elaine isn't going to go to the birthday party so mishki says well you can get me a gift anyway so Ellen mishki kidding or not kidding it's they they do a good job of leaving it 50 50 that you, it's impossible to tell if she's kidding or not a 50 50 ball yeah right there okay I say she's kidding, not kidding, they would say, if this was in modern times. it's Yeah, she's kidding, but she does really want a present. All right. George is at work, and Wilhelm comes in, and he's like, George, you've been putting in so much work around here, and we're so proud of you, and we've got a new job opening up. Assistant to the general manager, keep that under your hat, George. You know, I've always thought, I don't know, I don't remember Wilhelm's exact title, but yes. and again, it's not assi- it's not necessarily assistant general manager, right? This is a little bit of an office discrepancy, right? But it's assistant to the general manager. But still, mm-hmm. isn't that like a higher up job than Wilhelm's job? It might be. I I don't know necessarily. Is I mean, is Wilhelm like assistant to the Yankees president? Oh, well, what's that guy? Uh, Randy Levine. Yeah, Ra- well, Randy Levine, I don't think was there uh, in place yet. <laughs> well, at whatever this point. Randy Levine's job is, I believe he's Brian Cashman's. But like, are him and Cashman equal? Um, Who's higher up? I think Levine is Cashman's boss, but can't make, like, I don't know if he can make baseball decisions, you know, without Cashman's permission. Who has that job on the Mets? Jeff Wilpon? Um, Jeff? Who's the CEO? Uh, Well, a lot of teams have different sort of uh, titles. So I don't think the Mets have a guy titled president, but yeah, I think it's Randy Levine is essentially Jeff Wilpon. (laughs) Okay. But Jeff is also essentially the owner, because I'm not sure how with it uh, Mr. Wilpon, Fred Wilpon is anymore. Yeah, or Jeff Wilpon is at the well, moment. Well, I don't but know if we'll... he was ever with it, but that's... The... Yeah, but anyway... And also, so... like, Wilhelm is, like, the boss for the assistant of the traveling secretary. So, mm-hmm. one, like, he may be the traveling secretary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, uh, you know, he gets hired to be, like, the Met scout at a certain point, which means, mm-hmm. like, he's clear, like, if, like, head scout is a nice job, but, like, you can't be that high up in the Yankees organization to leave to become head of the Met scouting, right? So George is going to get so. promoted above Wilhelm. Wilhelm seems pretty happy about it. Yeah, he's happy to have him out of his way because he's an incompetent employee, even though he's hardworking. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, it's probably it's just, you know, weight off his shoulders. He doesn't have to deal with George anymore. So we see George in Jerry's apartment and he's so excited about this assistant to the general manager. 
And he says, you know why? Because that my car is there all day. And we see like a little flashback to when Wilhelm, uh, or sorry, when Steinbrenner comes in first thing in the morning, he sees George's car because it's parked there because he locked his keys in it. And then when Wilhelm leaves at night, he's like, boy, Costanza's really burning the midnight oil. They think he's working an 18-hour day. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, they must have really corresponded a lot on George to figure this out. Yeah, they're like, boy, that you know who's really here early? Costanza? I was going to say, you know, he's really here late. Wow. Boy, he's here all the time. Uh, yeah, really, that must have taken a while for that conversation to happen, though, I think. Yeah, so they really jumped to conclusions. This is really this point. I think this was the high point here in January 1996. This was uh, the last point where you could really just sort of beat up on the Yankees for sucking. This was, I think, that this was a real heyday uh, right here. They had just lost to the Mariners in the playoffs. And Jerry says to George, that's a hell of an organization they're running up there. I can't understand why they haven't won a pennant in 15 years. Oh, boy. This was really... The it point, Keeve. If we could go back in time, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, this was yes, this was the. I mean, the Yankees were already good, but they hadn't won uh, a title or even the ALC, the AL yet, um, right? But uh, but yes, this was sort of a low, like the early nineties were certainly the low point uh, in Yankees history. But listen, hopefully, we're back in another low point in an eight. No, year, I'm <laughs> in I'm eight upset. years. You could make this joke again. Hopefully, no, I'm I'm depressed, Keeve. I, I feel like Gary baby Sanchez is, are back. <laughs> Gary yeah, Sanchez they, is stealing the thunder. No, I'm really depressed about this. I was like really excited for like a protracted five-year Yankee pennant or World Series or playoff drought coming up. And I feel like they had like six months where they were bad. And then that was it. Listen, they're still paying like $80 million to A-Rod and to Shara and to Beltron. But still, but still, there's so much optimism. I really wanted to have a bunch of like we didn't even get one good Mets season while the Yankees were down. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm not too down just because I, I, I know nobody wants to hear about fantasy sports, but uh, yeah. I do have uh, Gary Sanchez, and he's really been making me very happy the last few weeks. I think that maybe the the apex of this was the Yankees lost the one game wild card and the Mets went to the World Series, and then that was it. Uh, that I mean, was listen, we can never be on top. I think we, we know deep down we can never be on top for long. <laughs> no, 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 not going to happen. All right. Well, the best we could have hoped for was George Costanza getting promoted high enough in the Yankee organization. Okay. But Elaine comes in and she talks about Sue Ellen Mishke. She's the woman that Elaine grew up with in Maryland that moved here last year, the heiress to the Henry Candy Bar fortune. And they talk about how that, you know, Sue Ellen Mishke, she has never once worn a bra. Keeve, I think this is a a real interesting jumping off point here in this episode, (laughs) in this discussion of the Sue Ellen Mishki behavior and Elaine's reaction to it. And who is more qualified to discuss the impact of the bra in American society than you and I? Yeah, I would say that you you got the right guys here. We don't need a third guest. We don't need an expert. We are the experts. Yes. Now, who's in the wrong here? Do you feel like that if in 2016, would Elaine come off being the person who is too puritanical here and too much of a conformist that wouldn't in 2016, Suel and Mishki be more celebrated, not by men, but by women for being a braless wonder? Yeah, I think that Suellen was just a few years before her time. Because you wouldn't cause any car accidents. You wouldn't even cause any, like, pedestrians to stop in their tracks uh, in 2016. I, I think this isn't that uncommon of a behavior. And, a uh, you know, an avowed feminist like Elaine, I'm shocked she even cared in 1996, but she certainly wouldn't care 20 years later. 
even in the 60s, they said, burn your bra and, you know, tell the man that he doesn't control us and tell us what we can do. Sue Ellen Mischke is, uh, you know, she is a wealthy woman. She is, you know, believes in being free. I don't believe that she's wearing a bra just to sort of distract men. I don't think that that's the case. No? Yeah, it's just not her thing. It's just not her thing. Also... That for Elaine, as she's really just trying to force this issue on Sue Ellen Mischke. And I feel like that I had another point about this, but I, I'll be honest, it escapes me at the moment. I think ultimately, this because it, it's not really so much in character for Elaine to care. So I think there's other issues with Sue Ellen. Like the, I, I think just deep down, she doesn't like her and anything she does out of the ordinary would bother Elaine. I love this Elaine flashback to where there was, here's Sue Ellen Mischke wearing some floozy outfit in the past. And Elaine is talking to some guy and Sue Ellen Mischke just steals him away. Yeah, I think like stealing a, another woman's uh, boyfriend, usually like it's crazy that they're still in touch 20 years later, you know? It is pretty crazy, but I just love this flashback. Again, I think this is Seinfeld very much ahead of their time with this flashback scene where I think that we've talked about this in other episodes where they've done something like this where, you know, well ahead of the family guys and the 30 rocks of the world that would use this kind of stuff constantly. Uh, yeah, I don't think they invented it, for, uh, but um, yeah, you know, they, they, they use it sparingly enough that it's effective when they do use it. It'd be interesting to find out who did invent this. Um. I, there was definitely flashbacks in I Love Lucy. There, yeah, they flash back to when Ricky and Lucy met. I, something like that. I feel like there was flashbacks there. Yeah, no, you're that. Um, I, you're you're joking, right? Well, no, I think there was, and also like, don't you know the flashback music in your head, like woo, and then they like they go to they, go, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like they go to like from uh, Wayne's World. No, 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 not like the audience doing we Like you know the flashback noise in your head of like a lot of TV shows have the same flashback noise. I yeah. can't make, but you know what I'm talking about? Like you make that noise and, and that's how you know you're, it's flashback. Mm-hmm. Like a say by the bell type thing. Now, was that like flashing back to something that happened earlier that day? Like it feels like that this is at least pretty high concept flashing back as they did back in the library. Yeah. The library has the most famous flashbacks. Yeah. But this was, you know, I thought this was very funny. It's well done also of, you know, um, teenage Elaine. Yeah. And of course, uh, the last, you know, the last Will and Mishki episode, The Betrayal, is going to have some flash forwards. Oh, good. Good. Because it's a backwards episode? Correct. Yes. So Jerry says that this is the Lex Luthor of Elaine. And so for her birthday, Elaine decides she's going to get her a bra. And George thinks that, well, why is that a big deal? Jerry says, uh, have I ever bought you a jock strap? Is that the same? Is that one-to-one ratio? Uh, a a athletic supporter is the same as a bra? I feel like no. No, I, it's, you're saying something most women wear every day versus something some guys never wear. It doesn't really make sense. Yes. If you're one, you're rebay. That's right. <laughs> right. He's the jock strapless wonder. Well, well, they, I think uh, they couldn't find one for him or something like that. I believe that his story was that they could not find one that fit him. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, what he said. Everyone should start rumors like that about themselves. Yes. Juan Uribe <laughs> is the best. I do. Would li- I, I would like the Mets to uh, find. Did he get did he sign somewhere? Juan Uribe? Uh, he's getting cut. Like he's one of these guys who's been like, you know, gets cut twice a month. Well, I think that there is nobody that the Mets pick up off the scrap heap that they can't restore these days. So I think that they, they need him also. Yeah, bring, he's bring right, everybody he's a free together. agent right now. So you could bring a the Indians cut him. You could bring him back. Hopefully, in. Hopefully, by the time this podcast airs, Juan Uribe will be a Met. So Jerry and George are in the well, diner. But do you know and, he, he had a, uh, this year, he had a testicular contusion. Yeah, that's how I know this. Oh, I thought that was the second one. I'm sorry. I thought he had, I thought it was the second time it happened to him. 
Yeah, so what happened was that Juan Uribe got hit uh, in a sensitive spot on the field, if nobody knows the story, and he had to go to the hospital, and they asked him, why don't you wear a cup? And he said that, I, I can't, because they don't have one that, that fits me. Yeah. I was. Th- Do you want to get Uribe on the podcast? I would love to. I, I mean, I don't think that he, spe- uh, no, he doesn't speak. No, I don't speak. think he's. No, I don't think he speaks any English. If I remember correctly, because oh, I, I remember a couple of things he said during the 2015 on the Mets, where he like notoriously got really mad when football was on on Sundays in the locker room, and he said uh, he hates football. So you could get him on 32 fans, maybe, to talk about <laughs> what, what his deal is with football. All right, but we're pro Juan Uribe on this podcast. Oh, certainly, certainly. I don't know how you could be anti Juan Uribe on any podcast. <laughs> all right so then let's go to jerry and george in the diner they're talking about how believe it or not keep how about this susan's parents rebuilt the cabin yeah and they're gonna cherish it and they're going to let susan take george there yeah. again yeah it's like uh rem- <laughs> yeah it's, it's like uh, susan should be grounded susan and george should be grounded from ever going up to the cabin again yes like they must uh, have so many sensors in place like if kramer would come near it there would be 30 cops there i feel like yeah so George is explaining to Jerry the whole thing about Wilhelm and Steinbrenner, how they think about his hours. This is actually the place where they have that cutaway. So there's two separate like flashbacks in this episode. And this is where we see that play out. And Jerry says to George, like, aren't you worried about going to the cabin? That that's going to hurt you with this promotion? And George says, no, him actually being in the office is the only thing that could stop him from getting this promotion. Oh, it's definitely true. It's like the best thing <laughs> yeah. you could ever do for your marriage is like to be apart for, you know, it's six very weeks. funny. All right, so Sue Ellen Mischke buzzes up to see Elaine, and guess what, Keith? She's wearing the bra as a top. Yeah, uh, not what Elaine had in mind. Not what Elaine had in mind, but again, the very forward-thinking Sue Ellen Mischke, Keith, uh, don't check my Google search history, but I did search, can you wear a bra as a top? <laughs> and this was the other thing that I wanted to say about Sue Ellen Mischke. I think she was very ahead of the times because I think that there are a lot of tops that are either bra-like or bra-inspired, that this is not that crazy of a look in 2016. We really should have had, like, a fashion expert on. But, yeah, um, one, she's also really, really tall. Yeah. Like, she towers over, like, Jerry and, and a lot of the other actors in this episode. Yeah. I don't Did know you if find her to be yeah. uh, spectacularly striking, though? Well, she's striking in the sense that she's tall. Um, she's tall? Yeah, she's pretty. I mean, I... I, I... I, you know, how did they cast, like, did they cast her specifically, <laughs> like, did they have, like, a bunch of women walk around with, like, no bra and, like, cast one that just, like, was most, I don't know. Yeah, everybody's just so goo-goo-gaga for Sue Ellen Mischke in this episode, and I probably wouldn't have her on my top 25 <laughs> um, Seinfeld, um, you know, uh, I, what is the right word, uh, femme fatales. Yeah. Oh, that's an you idea know. for... Uh... <laughs> when yeah, we're done with the 180 a, the, the, yeah the, you could do that on 32 fans also no i, I um yeah i think that <laughs> chester's got the spreadsheet already oh i'm sure he has the rankings for that one yes yes um so I, you know sue first of all you're not a desperate housewives guy right i am not but you she's the voice of of desperate housewives oh okay that's interesting she but she's dead i think that the show starts with yes. her having just died spoiler <laughs> well it's literally yes. the first scene and probably no, in the she's first episode the disembodied voice Correct. of the yeah the woman but then that, i think it's so i do think at some point she starts showing up or, or, or maybe in flashbacks Probably. flashbacks flashbacks yeah so that's in, that's an interesting uh so she does have some tie-in with uh what what was terry hatcher's name she has like uh some crazy name it starts Sidra? with s 
Sidra, Sidra. Uh, so just in terms of uh, the Google search, uh, here's uh, from uh, nymag.com, 14 ways to wear a bra as a shirt. Certainly the sports bra. And she's uh, wearing a jacket over it. Like, as they're, a top. They're, they're not even talking yeah. about wearing a jacket also, probably. Yes. So both the bra has become a actual fashion accessory and also the idea of not wearing the bra also much more widely accepted oh yeah no question yes um so ironically hammer time was very vanilla and conservative yeah i also feel like that there are things that are like sort of like not exactly bras but uh that look like bras that are top so sue ellen mishki maybe that it was sue ellen mishki inspired this perhaps we'll see if sports bras like you know you have so many more people working out now i feel like than maybe 20 years ago yeah, so, so just, people coming to the gym from the gym, you know, halter tops, also all sorts of things, bra tops. That's a thing. Not topo the bra to you. Oh boy, or is it topo the bra to ya? <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do we got next? Okay, <laughs> so I said that we were extremely qualified to talk about this. All right, so Suella Mishki is, is like, oh, Elaine, this is so great, and Elaine again, so puritanical. She says, uh, that's a bra. It's not a top. And so she says, "What? Oh, bro, I know." Yeah, basically, she's like she didn't realize she doesn't realize or doesn't care. Is she being passive aggressive or is she kind of like a dunce? No, I, this is a great question. What is the motivation of Sue Ellen Mishki in this episode? Is she just is like she... so rich that she doesn't care about other people's feelings, and so she's just like she doesn't care what other people think. That's why she never wore one in the first place. She's not trying to like she likes Elaine. She's coming up to Elaine to show her she's just. uh you know, she she's just not really in tune with other people's feelings. I think as written, the character of Sue Ellen Mishki is someone that is desperately seeking attention from men, that she cannot help it if she is not the focus of attention of all men that are in her sight. You know, the, the Elaine-Sue Ellen Mishki relationship, I mean, we only see Sue Ellen a couple more times, but like, it's so bizarre. Like, towards the end of the series, Elaine is going to you know, they're going to India for her wedding. And it's like, you know, in this episode, they're they're trying to, like, sue her and get all of her money. Yeah, Elaine testifies against her. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of crazy that, uh, you know, she's willing to forgive and forget about this lawsuit. Yeah, well, Sue Ellen Mishki, we don't know exactly what her motivation is, but I don't think she's, like, a bimbo or anything like that. She seems like she's very smart and calculated here. It does not seem as though she is just like uh, that. Elaine calls her a floozy. I'm not sure necessarily if that's the case. She seems like she's a a very tough customer. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. But also, some people just aren't really concerned with other people's opinions of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I do think she knows what she's doing to get under Elaine's skin. And so we end up seeing Susan and George at the cabin. And uh, Susan is not really crazy about this idea of what George is doing. And all of a sudden, George realizes, uh, as Susan is talking about going to a swap meet, that they put a flyer out. George says, oh, there's a Chinese restaurant that puts flyers on my car. He has to get to a payphone and ask Jerry to take them off at the payphone. I really did like this scene between Jerry and George. I, you know what I like about this? It's very realistic. It's like, yes. what would happen if we left our car here? Oh, shoot. Like, what if someone comes along and leaves some, like, you know, pamphlet or flyer on it? So I do like this idea. It's very it seems very real life. Yeah. So 
I also like it because this would be something like if Jerry just did it without putting up a fight, we would be sitting here like, uh, do you think it's realistic that Jerry would just go and do this favor for George? Isn't that totally out of character? But just by like adding in 30 seconds of dialogue of Jerry, like, uh, like, I don't want to do that. Like, come on, you have to like talking about I hung a rye bread out the window for you. And so I, I really did feel like that they helped sell that this is something that Jerry would not normally do, but George really puts him on the spot. What would you do if someone calls you up and says, like, hey, can you drive a half hour to take something like a piece of paper off my car? I think that what Jerry did is like, I don't want to do this. I guess I have to that he's not doing anything else. That's the problem with Jerry being like a guy who doesn't work all day. The people mm-hmm. assume like that he, he's got all the free time in the world to be up for these capers. And yeah. that's why I like working from home and uh, like I'm kind of always busy Then like yes. no one can no one ever. And people don't like know my schedule. My friend can't just like, call me up and be like, hey, you're free. I need you yeah. to help me like move, you know? Yes. I mean, being unemployed would be the you, you'd never be able to get anything done. Yeah, that would be the worst part. The, the worst part of yeah. it was everyone would just use you as like, hey, you know, got to got to move you're, this couch you're around. You're around. <laughs> OK, so. We end up with Kramer coming in, and it's so funny when Jerry says to him, like, hey, do you want to go up to the Bronx with me and take flyers off George's car? He's like, uh, you bet. Yes. He's like, jumps the chance. I could have said anything. He's like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't like the part of that. I couldn't say anything. I, I, I prefer the idea that Kramer is just so excited to go go to the Bronx and take flyers off George's car. Right. Maybe it's explaining the joke a little too much. Yeah. All right. So they are going to uh, be headed up there and we get to see George's car. And I actually don't like how they overdid it with like there's a million flyers now on George's car and there's all this bird poop and there's pigeons like sitting on the car. It to me, it almost makes it like that. The idea is Wilhelm and Steinbrenner are like looking at George's car so closely every day. Now, all of a sudden, there's a million Chinese restaurant flyers and and other things that are on George's car. And it's covered with bird crap. How in the world would they think that he's moving the car every day? Yeah, the thing is, this is this the weekend like has this is this like Sunday and the last couple days have been especially bad for the car and they're not going to notice till tomorrow morning. I guess it's possible. Is it like some sort of three day weekend? But why on a three day weekend would like there be a million flyers on things? I don't know. The flyers guys, you think they 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 have like holidays off <laughs> and did a pig- a flock of pigeons just move into like, well, you think pigeons literally- take the weekend off? Well, there are eight pigeons that uh, is he what if this under, was like no, some but huge what if this tree? was the only car for them to aim at like every other car so. was gone from the lot. I guess so. So they end up with the keys locked inside, so they have to pick the lock to get back in. And so Jerry and Kramer head to the car wash, and they come out and like, hey, look at that woman. It's Sue Ellen Mishki walking around in just a bra. Again, we go back to this is uh, must be that unseasonably warm winter where Elaine got uh, the water thrown on her only a couple of weeks ago. And Sue Ellen Mishki is walking around with just a blazer and a bra in the middle of January. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, people wrote in and, and made this comment, but like it's January and, uh, you know, it, like they, I think the writers maybe are, you know, in the L.A. mindset where it's probably not that cold. So yeah. they're not really writing for the winter, but not a great job for them. Like, you know, you should be in a, in a New York show in January. Everyone should be wearing like a giant winter coat the whole time. Right. Okay. And Sue Ellen Mishki. Or they could have like killed off Sue Ellen Mishki. I think someone pointed that out also. (laughs) Like 
say like she gets pneumonia or something that's what you do pneumonia that would have been perfect and then uh they crash the car and we've seen now probably what three or four different seinfeld car accidents that have happened right yeah yeah it's it's pretty uh pretty common trope on seinfeld get distracted yes, yes. get into an accident and it always happens right at the act break car accident that's kind of amazing right would you you think there should be one where it's like uh you know the start of a whole thing and then you're just like in the yes. car hey the are you right starts <laughs> i always i used to say that i felt like car accident is like the ultimate reality show where you're just minding your own business and now you're in a high stakes very tense negotiation with a complete stranger and figure it out yeah whose fault was it the insurance information should we call the police you know, you're in conflict with a complete stranger. Go. Yeah, I, I feel like lawyers are probably good in that situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would bring, I would bring, like, chest, chest, bring Chester along for all your car crashes. Right. You got to, like, uh, you know, people are, are, are acting injured because they're trying to, like, have, like, a lawsuit off the get-go. And you're like, hey, you're not hurt. Stop doing that. Are you really hurt? Like, do I, and it's like, then are, are, you, are they faking being hurt? Do you call an ambulance? If they're faking, then is that where it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I don't know how you parlate that into like an actual reality show, but I, I hear how it is elements of it. Once we get the driver cam in every single car, then it'll just be on. Is that are we headed towards a driver cam in every car? I feel like we're almost moving away from it. <sighs> yeah, well, I, I think that we'll probably get to the driverless car before we have the driver cam in every car. Yeah, and then then it'll just be a bunch of robots arguing and taking each other's insurance. Yeah, that'll be much more exciting. So Kramer is with Jerry and Elaine, and Kramer's all bandaged up, and they talk about how there was a woman, she came out of nowhere, and was a woman in a black blazer. Yes, Sue Ellen Mischke, she's a menace to society. Do you agree with that, Keeve? Is Sue Ellen Mischke a menace to society, or again, is this sort of a idea... That has also not aged well. Yeah, don't blame her. You're checking out some lady on the street while you're driving the car. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, you only have yourself to blame. Yeah, I'm sure it is a thing. I'm sure many people have crashed cars before. This is really suggestive billboards that are out there also. I also think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, do people even check billboards now? I, I think the I think the bigger issue now... I think you need a naked person on a billboard to get anybody to look at it. I, I, but isn't it more like um, people, you're more afraid of people just being on their phone? Sure. That causes sure, more accidents think... than any billboard that's interesting. Yeah, but naked billboards aren't helping. <laughs> yeah, but in like 1990... There, mm-hmm. um, you don't even know the internet at this point, Keith. This is like right, uh, right. Yeah, no. In 1996, yeah. that you know, maybe that would be exciting. I think now people wouldn't even bat an eye. Yeah. So Kramer, he can't swing the golf club, and Stan the caddy comes in, and this is very bad news. And Kramer is talking about the loss of his dream of being on the senior PGA tour, and the light goes off for Elaine. I thought it would have been funnier if she would have like just said uh, something completely unrelated to Kramer after he just said about how my dream is over of being on the PGA tour. But she said, "Let's sue her. Let's take all her money. Sue, sue Ellen Mischke." Not the most impressive Elaine moment, like. Yeah, you don't love her, but this is like your childhood friend, and you're just like trying to like swipe all her money with a lawsuit where she's clearly not guilty. Yeah, and so his dreams were shattered. Let's take all her money, and this is again another one of these puns from Stan the Cat. He said, "Let's go for the green." That's what he thinks. So yeah. he's always talking in like double speak of what he's saying is either uh, like a good work in golf and for what he's talking about. 
He's like a Batman villain. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, he's a caddy, and it's the winter, and the course is closed, and he's got nothing to do. So he's just entertaining himself. So, Keeve, it's the return of Jackie Childs, and he is back to talking about no top. No top, which is funny that he was talking about no top with the coffee. Yeah. Is, that, is this a coincidence or no, is No, not a coincidence because this is almost word for word the same scene as, as, <laughs> what the, as the coffee incident when Kramer came to the office. Because even when he, when he gets on the phone with his secretary and says set up an appointment with a doctor, it's like verbatim what he said That's last funny. time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, then I, I applaud them for... The, you know, recreating all that. I do like it on Seinfeld where they do the same scene over and over again. Like, you know, the, the best example is probably George in the, you know, uh, with like five o'clock time for a sponge bath. What already uh, between that in the outing and then in the contest. Uh, so good job by them. Yeah. So they're going to get an appointment with Dr. Bison. Yeah. I, I think that's the same doctor from last time, but I'm too lazy to check. Okay, she's the heir to the O. Henry candy bar fortune. Jackie Chow says this is going to be easier than taking candy from a baby. You know, the, the weird thing about the O. Henry is like, O. Henry, I think, originally was a company, but now is owned by like Nestle or Hershey's. I think it's owned by both, depending on where, you know, which part of the world you're in. But like, it's just, it's just part, it's just one bar in a company. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you could still be, I guess maybe they just, they sold it. But to me, it's like saying like, oh, you know, Crackle? Like, uh, he, you know, this guy is like, you know, a member of the Crackle family fortune. And this guy's got Mr. Goodbar, you know, he's got... Crackle, isn't that where I go to watch comedians in cars drinking coffee? Yeah, that's right. Or like Mr. Goodbar (laughs) and, you know, and and all those, like, as as, as opposed to them all being part of like Hershey's or Nestle or something. Yeah. It's like the idea that one bar, you know, gets its own sort of like, and, you know, empire is kind of funny. But maybe it's true. I don't know. Yeah. Is Crackle really the site with uh, comedians and cars or is that a different one? Yeah, but it's also, yeah, the, that's Crackle with a C. <laughs> yeah. Crackle with a K is like the, you know, you know, the mini, the mini Hershey's bars. Yeah. Mr. Goodbar but, and Crackle. Yes, and, yes. But nobody's ever bought like a full size Crackle. But you go to like Hershey Park and at the end they give you like a few free chocolate ride, you know, chocolate pieces after the chocolate ride. So that's where you get the Crackles. But I don't know if anyone's ever had a full-size crackle. Yeah, it has not been as popular as the Nestle Crunch Bar. I, but I think O'Henry hasn't aged that well either. Mm, I don't think so. I don't ever remember even having an O'Henry ever. Uh, that Jackie Child seems to have the description down pretty quick. O'Henry candy. Uh, I know it's chocolate. And when he talks about nougat. It's, according to Google, it's peanuts, caramel, and fudge coated in chocolate. Uh, first introduced by in 1920 by the Williamson Candy Company of Chicago, Illinois. I feel like back so, in 1920, there was like 10,000 candy companies. And now there's like two. It's big. It was a big deal back then. All right. So then we end up getting to after Jackie Childs. Uh, George is working with Susan. And now because he's going to be the assistant to the general manager, he's got some trade ideas. Keeve, I want to get your take on this trade. He wants to trade Jim Leyritz and Bernie Williams for Barry Bonds. Jim Leyritz, I believe at the time, was the backup catcher on the Yankees. Yes. And a young Bernie Williams. Bernie and- Williams, I guess in his prime Bernie Williams for Barry Bonds. Pre-steroid Barry Bonds. Right. And this is even before they realized how good Barry Bonds would be. This was Hall of Famer Barry Bonds, not Immortal Barry Bonds. Right. So uh, this would be a a pretty great trade, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the Yankees won, you know, the the four World Series. Such a key cog. Uh, Also, Jim Jim Leyritz, the Jim Leyritz game, I guess, that's like game two of the 
uh, game three. Game, game three. Or, or, but but it, but it, but it's ninety five, right? Well, what, or, isn't isn't it the Braves series? They're down two zero to the Braves. I'm trying in 96. to remember. I feel like that somebody has a big home run. In yeah, game so three of ninety six. Uh, okay. They're down two nothing so, and they're losing. Do the Yankees? Yeah. If they make this trade, do they win four World Series? No, and then, and then Bernie the is still there. In uh, no, he's not there for the for the fifth. You're going to be Bernie. paying Barry Bonds a, a huge contract yeah. number. Yeah, I, I had this thought too. You know, obviously it's a good trade, but ultimately I just don't think you can win as many championships because it's hard to win more than four titles in that span. Yeah. Okay, so the, the Yankees end up they oh, they owe George a debt of gratitude for not going Plus, through. Bonds with, was at the time Bonds was known as a huge choker in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So he's working on these trades and Susan is very worried about this. And George's like, oh, what can happen? It's fine. Uh, again, no mention of Susan having a job. She's just being the wet blanket to George. Yeah, as usual. And so Jerry ends up, he's like driving the crashed car. Again, this, it's so crazy, all this that happens. They, they talk about the blood. Like, it seems like there's no police activity whatsoever of just like driving around this uh, completely banged up car. What well, was like, a one car accident? I, they drove into a pole. I mean, do you have Better to report than, that? Uh, the previously mentioned Jim Laird's driving abilities. Um, right. If I get into a one-car accident, I crash into a pole, I'm injured, and I have a passenger that's injured, do I need to report that to the police? I'm What's not the sure. On that? It's a good question. I feel like the police would like to know. They probably... Like, I, what are they going to do for you, though? I feel like your insurance would like to know. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I Kramer was hurt. Yeah, I don't know the law. I mean, but Kramer's not going to sue... I mean, there's enough blood in the car where people are talking about, like, oh, he saw the blood, he saw the car. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of blood for you to, like, see the blood <laughs> through a windshield, right? I mean, the amount of blood that's talked about, that's seen in the car, is talked about more than once. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you're probably supposed to, but, like, if it's just you and no one in the car cares. But that probably yeah. is a big issue for the lawsuit, right? Like, yeah. hey, what's the deal with this car case? There's no... There's no uh, you know, there, there's no uh, police report on on the on the car crash. Yeah, I don't know. So Wilhelm is then going in to see George Steinbrenner, and I like that when Wilhelm comes in, he just like starts going into it. And George Steinbrenner says, "What about Good Morning?" Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's really <laughs> funny. So George Steinbrenner is so funny. I think this is the funniest George Steinbrenner episode. Yeah, definitely so far, without a question. It's so funny. Every, every every scene with Steinbrenner is gold in this episode. And they can't find him anywhere. And uh, they've got to find him. They've got to find Georgie. Uh, yeah. You know, he's, he's, like, he's like the son he never had, George Costanza, yeah. to, to the it's boss. It's so funny that Steinbrenner, does he say, like, uh, he could be dead in the bullpen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we check the bullpen, he might be there. So uh, he's so great. The, the, all the Steinbrenner stuff. I was, I was laughing out loud watching this. It's so funny. Yeah, he nails it. <laughs> they really just they nailed everything. All right. So now Jerry ends up coming back home. Sue Ellen Mishki has gotten what a subpoena about Kramer. Can you are you allowed to just go do that? Shake down the person that's suing you. Is that what she's doing? I, is she subpoenaing or is she just trying to like talk him out of it? I mean, I think that the Sue Ellen Mishki I know is going over there with no bra on to sort of like, you're not going to sue poor little me, right? Yeah, so that's not a subpoena. That's something else. Uh, but let's say hey, easy there, Keith. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that's going to be. I'm but, saying she, yeah, uh, she's trying to talk him out of it. Maybe, maybe you know, slide him like uh, five grand cash. Seduce and destroy. No, yeah. I thought that, that was like, uh, like, hey, you want to go to dinner sometime? Talk this over? Yeah, she could do that or she could do it with money or both and, and talk him out of a major lawsuit. 
Yeah, but then she ends up sort of uh, making uh, quick friends with Jerry. And now, is this a move? Does she like Jerry? Is she trying to seduce Jerry? You know, I've always wondered this. I don't think anything happens in Jerry's apartment here. Because she's yeah. not, like, looking at him, you know. She's not, like, looking back at Jerry and, and making eye contact with him. And, you know, and, like, the, the same way he is at her when he's nervous. Oh, Henry. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I think, I, I think, I think uh, you know, he, he's just smitten. I don't think anything happens here. Yeah. That Kramer would find a candy bar wrapper in the garbage, not a prophylactic wrapper. Yeah, what are the odds? They <laughs> she, like she... like Frankistanza found that one time on his bed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now uh, Wilhelm comes in. They can't find Steinbrenner. And this is, again, is so funny where he's like, okay, well, you know what this means? He's dead. He's dead. And then it's so funny when he's like, get it together. Uh, poor little guy. Easy, big Stein. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, find, find candidates. Got to move on. Got to get, gotta get someone for the assistant yeah. GM, Jeff. We got to get back to business. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the period of 10 seconds. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I'll notify the parents. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Kramer comes in and Kramer and Jerry really get into it over Jackie Childs is uh, going to take the case. And Jerry has cold feet. He's like, well, you're still driving. And Kramer is uh, pushing back, like, well, you're going to testify, right? And a little bit like, uh, well, I don't want to testify. You got to. You got to testify, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jerry is, you know, he, he's not good at, uh, I like, would Kramer have figured it out without the O'Henry bar? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, does Suella Mishki just walk around carrying a bunch of O'Henry bars in her she purse? Must. as like a calling card? <laughs> must. They might, like, listen, she gets them free. Although they sold the company. Like, so I, do you, does she still, is it like... You stay on the team, but you still get a skybox as part of the deal. I don't know. I mean, Jerry is obviously very into the physical attraction of Sue Ellen Mishki. What's she like feeding him candy bars? I just don't understand. What was the dialogue between them? Like, uh, like, oh, why don't you come in and can we talk? She's like, well, uh, I am, you know, the heiress to the O'Henry candy bar fortune. Here, eat some. I think eat that's exactly how it went. Henry in my head, bars. that's how it went. She yeah. brings it up where he says, hey, you're the, uh, oh, you know. <laughs> You know the O. Henry people, right? Can you get me some free candy? She's like, sure. And she hands him one right there. Yeah. And he eats it in front of her. I feel like, oh, let me have this later. I feel like if I was trying to impress a woman, the last thing I'd be doing is like scarfing down a candy Getting bar. Getting chocolate in front of all over your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe she's like feeding it to him. Like, uh, like no, oh, try I think, this. And- nah. I mean, maybe she's like, yeah, try it. It's great. It's a new recipe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on there with uh, Sue Ellen Mishkin, the O'Henry. Uh, I like Kramer and Jerry also uh, arguing over, you just want money, you just want sex. Yeah, that's a great scene when they're, when like, it's, they actually both act really well here, when they're, like, yelling at each other at the same time. It is, that is a well-done scene. Yes. Jerry says, you're trying to bilk an innocent bystander of her family fortune built on sweat and toil for O'Henry candy bars from honest, hardworking Americans. So... Jerry with the stump speech. I do think candy was like a big deal back then also. Like not ninety six. Not, not ninety six, but like eighteen ninety six. Like you know, like <laughs> our grandparents and great grandparents. Yes. You know, they used to like save up all week and then go to like the store on Friday and get like a candy for a penny at the store. And it was like the highlight of their week, you know? Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, shout out to the late great Gene Wilder, of course, uh, played Willy Wonka. Is that I know you hate chocolate. What, what's your feeling about Willy Wonka? Oh, I'm very pro Wonka, but I'm very pro-Wonka. anti the Depp Wonka movie. Yeah, okay. And it's also, especially annoying because my kids will watch the Depp Wonka, but they won't watch the old one. They hate like wow. things that they view as old. It's very yeah. depressing. Yeah. I can't Typical get them to watch Generation the old one. Z. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, the Z is for zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we end up with this hilarious scene of George Steinbrenner shows up at the Costanza's house and uh, he knocks on the door to see Estelle. Says, uh, you know, I'm George Steinbrenner. I have some bad news about your son. And then we cut to them inside and he's talking about how he was a dynamo. Uh, Estelle wants to, are you sure you're talking about our George? Yeah, that's and a great line. S- a, such a classic moment. Frank Estanza is yelling, what the hell did you trade Jay Buna for? <laughs> yeah, I think until Festivus in it's probably this is probably Frank's most famous moment. This is such a great moment. And uh, Ed Steinbrenner is sort of being like a little contrite, like, well, you know, my people kept saying Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. And he says, like, and Frank is yelling about this. So funny. <laughs> yeah, he just engaged. He's not like, can we talk about this another time? Uh, you know, it's two crazy people yelling at each other. Yeah. What does he yell about in the finale? That about uh, Hideki Arabu, right? Yes. Yeah. Hideki Arabu. <laughs> he gets Arabu stuff. And I believe Arabu pitches the night of the finale also. Is that right? Oh, I don't remember that. Um, I think he actually did pitch the night of the finale and actually like pitched a good game. How good for Hideki Arabu? Uh, yeah, he's no longer <laughs> with us, uh, Hideki. Yes, yes. Uh, and neither is uh, Jerry Stiller or George Steinbrenner, right? Mm. Uh, wait, Jerry Stiller's still with oh, okay. us. Oh, okay. Well, thank God. Thank God. Woof. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter in a few minutes, but geez. Uh, did Ben Stiller's mom pass away? I feel like oh, somebody... I, uh... I hope not, but maybe. Jerry Stiller <laughs> is... Uh, he just turned 89. <laughs> okay, good for, good for him. Yes, I think that I think that uh, that Ben Stiller's wife passed. Yes, uh, yes, sorry, ben yeah, his mom, mom, yeah, mom, yeah. mom, mom, mom. Yeah, Jerry's Jerry's uh, wife passed away last year, and Mira. Okay, sorry about that. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, sorry <laughs> to put a scare into everybody. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's so funny. And then the next scene is also so great when Jerry walks in and the answering machine message is Frank Costanza. Yeah, great answering uh, machine. <laughs> Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner is here. George is dead. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> Very nonchalant. I love that Frank even thinks to call Jerry. It's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> and there's like there's no reaction from the Steinbrenners of like being like starstruck that George Steinbrenner is sitting in their living room. No, that- no. They're almost like inconvenienced <laughs> by him being there. <laughs> and Frank Costanza's yelling at him. It's so funny. Yeah, George's it's They so Call funny. Me Back is one of my favorites. Yeah. And uh, Jerry ends up uh, talking with George on the phone. Really, the whole thing about George on the payphone, it's very like Breaking Bad. It's like almost like George is on the lamb more than he's on vacation. Yeah, he's probably trying to be on the lamb from Susan at this point, if you know what I mean. Probably. But it's 96. You can't get a hold of somebody if they're on vacation. No, it's hard. That's like a thing. I mean, I remember like when we were like... um travel like go on vacation as a family it's like you had to like provide emergency information to everybody everybody had to knew where you were if something happened so they could get a hold of you yes yeah so i mean it's it's crazy it's crazy like who knew where you were so it was a much more simple and better time to be honest yeah and jerry and george are talking about how jerry says yeah the steinbrenner uh thinks that you're dead and i had an accident with your car and they piece it all together, which didn't think like it was that hard of a mystery to piece together. But Wilhelm obviously must have known when he saw your crashed car that something happened to you. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not pieced together. They jump to insane conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. And so that Jerry is like, well, aren't you going to call your parents? And, you know, they think you're dead. And George has a great line. And he says, no, I, they could use the break. <laughs> <laughs> also, Steinbrenner's right. still there, so he doesn't want to throw them yeah. off. Yes. All right. So Peterman comes in with the bra. 
and says, Elaine, do you see this? And uh, we need to be working with uh, making this a top. Zelda Fitzgerald, somebody in her 20s, wearing this at wild parties, have it on my desk by the end of the week. I think, you know, Peterman here is uh, is really on top of his fashion game. I feel like he started this trend. Yes. 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 Good job by Peterman. All right. So we end up seeing George on crutches with Steinbrenner. And this is like one of the rare times that George ends up like this could probably be like the last scene in most episodes. If there wasn't like the Suell and Mishki court stuff, I think you probably could have ended on this. And... I'm not sure if it's better or worse. What do you think about this, Keith? Yeah, what, I should mean, this the, have been the, the last trial scene? is so thrown in and so bananas. And I like the trial. I do think it's like the four. I mean, I guess we'll talk about the actual scene in one second. But like, it's the it's the fourth time it feels like that they've like directly tied the end of an episode into like an OJ style thing. Yeah, they go to the OJ well maybe one time too many. I think I would have ended on this. I mean, there's no great end line here that George walks in and he's on crutches. And then but then, how, then you have to tie the Sue Ellen Mishki story together before this. How do you do that? <sighs> yeah. Well, I just think you go to that first. I mean, this isn't tied. This story is completely unconnected to other than that. The reason why they thought George is dead is because the car crashed when they were looking at Sue Ellen Mishki. Mm-hmm. You could have come out of Sue Ellen Mishki and gone to this. I mean, you could go either way. Yeah. I, I, listen, I really like this episode. Uh, the trial scene has some issues, but um, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll t- you... discuss in a minute. Yeah. yeah. All right. So George walks in and uh, he's on crutches and he talks about how he had to crawl in a ditch and eat grubs. And Steinberg's like, well, I've never had to do that. I don't know what that tastes like. <laughs> yeah. What are grubs? And, yeah. And so then ultimately they, they explain to George, well, we have to find somebody else to do your job, even though he has a trade to get Bonds and Griffey. What would the Yankees have had to give up? A for in uh, the off season of 1996, going into 1996 to get Griffey. Hopefully, they would have traded Jeter. That would have been great. Yeah, uh, Jeter and what? What else? Well, I think Jeter Griffey? gets you Griffey. Maybe Jeter gets you Griffey. I mean, I think Jeter, Jeter... and like with your best pitching prospect, maybe. Really, that's it for 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 Griffey uh, in its prime, Griffey. I mean, or is George just like a WFAN caller who like thinks he has this great trade, but uh, there's think, a reason. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like just a, a prospect is is not doing things. I think that, like, uh, in th- that's more of a thing now where it's like, oh, this is a Baseball America top five prospect, and you. Can I mean, get, I don't know. Like, they uh, got Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. Like, it happens. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess so. But I, I feel like that baseball has become a lot more prospect crazy. Well, certainly the fans care much more about the prospects now. Yeah, they didn't, didn't know who they were ten, twenty right. years ago. Right, but <laughs> Frank Costanza did. <laughs> but that being said, so he had the Griffey and Bonds trade all worked out, but you could still have your old job, George. Um, I think that uh, you know he's got some claim here, right? Mm-hmm. He can take he can take his, he can take Steinbrenner to some sort of court. Well, I don't yeah, know if they have a union. For all his money, yeah. Well, so <laughs> yeah. Well, what could he sue him on? What grounds? No, just like he's being docked. He like he he's like well, at a medical leave. For the pay. He's getting yeah. docked. Not, not just that he didn't get the job. He's getting docked. It's kind of insane. And then George just like gets off the crutches and just takes the bandages off and gives up and Steinbrenner doesn't even react to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And he says chaos doesn't work for the Yankees. Now this time uh, that in the Yankee organization going into 1996 they fired Buck Showalter, they hired Joe Torre, was not considered to be a great move going into 1996. So again, uh, just picking on these downtrodden Yankees that are such a disaster. They talk about the Yankees like they're the New York Jets in this episode. Yeah, but listen, George Steinberg is saying chaos doesn't work. That's like if somebody says they hate drama. That's usually someone who's who's always finding the drama. Yeah. 
All right, Keith, let's talk about the big trial. You're a big OJ fan, and so uh, we well, can talk about all this stuff. <laughs> well, no, OJ case. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about it. He was a great it. running so back, you know. The court case. <laughs> and a little bit of a look ahead into the finale, uh, a little bit of a flash forward, no? Yeah, I mean, this is done a little too haphazardly. One scene, uh, usually trials, like, it takes like a year, you know, to get on trial. Like, this must be four days later. We're already, like, hearing testimony. <laughs> From yes. you know, like if, like they they may as well have gone on like Judge Joe Brown or something, right? Like, to get it done so quickly, small claims or something like that. Yes, exactly. And so Jackie Childs is uh, questioning Elaine, asking her, you know, that she's brought the bra with her, exactly like the one that she gave her. Uh, we see Kramer on the witness stand uh, talking about how he plays a uh, three under par normally, and that's what the professionals shoot if they're lucky. By the way, Kramer like. His goal this episode is once he wants to make the senior tour. You got to be 50. Isn't he like barely 40? Well, I think that it, with 10 more years of practice, then he'll be right there. Yeah, but it's like weird to like, I'm going to do this job when I'm 50 years old and you're still like in your 30s, basically. Well, he's too old to get on the pro tour. So he's just going to wait it out now. Well, yeah, yeah it would have been the worst time to go on, I guess. Like Tiger would have stolen all his thunder. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and and Jerry ends up being on the stand and under heavy questioning, did you or did you not see the defendant wearing the bra? I don't know. Maybe. And then Jerry cracks. And it's kind of a nice moment. Like if this was like a romantic comedy, then maybe this might be like uh, one of the big scenes in the movie. He says, all right, all right. I saw her. She was beautiful in that bra. I'm crazy about her. I love the whole free swinging, freewheeling attitude. But, you know, she doesn't seem to like be too flattered by it. Sue Ellen. No. there's no. no there's no eye contact or chemistry between them. So is Sue Ellen Mishki a hero with her free swinging, freewheeling attitude? Like, did she is she a feminist? Oh, definitely. She's definitely a feminist. There's, I mean, are we slut shaming Sue Ellen Mishki? Well, we're not. This we're, I don't think I, we're I, against Elaine. this at all. Elaine is. Oh, Elaine definitely is. No question. But but Elaine, most just out of hatred for her, not 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 that's not her actual opinion. Right. There's no pat on the back, Suel and Mishki, of you know you've set the movement forward and you're not wearing a bra. Good for you. It's no put put those things away. Uh yeah no yeah Elaine is just you know absolutely seething with hatred for Sue Ellen. If this was yeah, a lady on the street, she would not uh you know or maybe uh, she's just like she's not willing to do it herself, so she's jealous. Yeah. And so then the whole question comes to order. And so Jackie Childs feels great about what they're doing. But Kramer has to go to Stan. And what do you think, Stan? And he says, you're close. You're on the green. You have to go for the cup. Have her try on the bra to see if it fits. Um, I, I mean, to me, Jackie Childs should be fired right here for listening to the, uh, the caddy. <laughs> yeah. Kramer says, hey, Stan's the man. Do it. You got to do it. And so they're going to have Miss Mishki try on the bra. I mean, this is so insane, all of this. Uh, I know it's a comedy show, but that why on earth? Like, can't they say, like, no, no, no. First of all, it's a total perv move by Stan the Caddy. Like, you would imagine that he's thinking, like, oh, she needs to take her top off and put the bra on in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, right. She could have gone to the bathroom and done this, right? Right. I mean, I think that they said, no, objection, Your Honor. You, You don't wear a bra over a shirt. Everybody knows this. This is you, you that no bra is going to fit over a shirt uh, unless it's even like OJ didn't put his big. gloves on over like another pair of gloves. Right, right. Um, this is this is insane. Like, oh, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. 
Yeah, I mean, excuse me, Your Honor. I got, she's got to go to the bathroom. Like, something's got to happen here. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think that that, that was fine to end on that. But then uh, Jackie Childs has to add that, uh, you know, this is a public humiliation. You can't give the defendant a key piece of evidence. She's trying it on over a leotard. It's not going to fit. Like, it's going to go up over a person's skin, you know, like a glove. A little too on the nose. We got, we kind of got it at the point yeah. where she's like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't I think it's fit. funnier if you don't even say that ever, I think. I, I agree. I agree. They, they really had to spell it out. So it, that the fact that they end up doing that, I wonder if you could have just ended on the George and um, George Steinbrenner stuff. So th- th- that's my really my only nitpick with this episode. No, it's really funny. There's there's really no very few flaws. Uh, the name and the way that they end the court case is really... Yeah, the court case the is, is a little bit of a mess. You Maybe this episode should have been longer. Could have got 40 yeah. minutes somewhere. And then we end up with the tag, and everybody in Elaine's office is wearing the bra as a top, and Elaine is getting uh, very upset. Yeah, very. Uh, I Elaine's mean, I guess getting upset. I guess if you if if that's what you do, then you can have uh, you know people dress whatever you want. I, nowadays in Manhattan, I think that the dress codes have gotten way more lax, especially like startup type places. Sure. But back sure. then, you know, that wouldn't have flown. Yeah. So Elaine just uh, too puritanical about everything, and too conservative, Elaine. Uh, yeah, listen, this is a lady who was throwing sponges around a couple weeks ago, and now this. No, now, now everybody's got to co- either be wearing a bra and cover up that bra. Have some decency. Uh, listen, Elaine. Well, I've never. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the, the Veep Julia would be okay with the, with just the bra. <laughs> She's Although fine. it's not, I don't know if it's a great look for the president of the United States. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll 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 see. All right, Keith. Let's talk about uh, the grading this out. And again, uh, we are this, these are not cup sizes. A, B, C's, D's, and F's for the gr- storylines in the episode. Why don't we start with Elaine? Um, I mean, if we're giving her the points for Sue Ellen Mishki, it's an A for sure. It's an A. It's an A. Yeah. And it's the emergence of Sue Mishki. It's a fun story. Uh, you know, we can't criticize Elaine too much for, uh, you know, maybe a little bit too on the nose with the final part of the episode. That's an A. Kramer and uh, he wants to be a golfer and the caddy. Um, I don't love the caddy, but um, I mean, I think the idea of like Kramer being on the senior PGA, PGA Tour is funny. Kramer doesn't get a ton to do in this episode, but I'll say the the scene where Kramer and Jerry are yelling at each other is so great. I'll give Kramer an A minus. I'll defend it. Yeah. A minus. I think you can't go lower than that. George and going away and being a part like he he's really uh, doesn't have a ton to do himself in this episode. Mm-hmm. But everything with Steinbrenners and his parents has to be connected to George. Yeah. So you give George the A there. George gets an A. Right. We're not grading out George Steinbrenner. Uh, no, but I'll give him an A too. And what about Jerry? You know, not I mean, a ton to do here. For not Jerry, so either. much to do. Uh, he gets into the really funny fight with Kramer, so we'll give him points for that. Also, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, even in my notes, like I, you know, the Jer- word Jerry seems like it appears like twice only. Uh, it's yeah. not his. It's not his heaviest uh, lifting episode, but um, you know, he tanks on the stand. The, st- the you know, he's pretty good in the court case. It's actually one of his better acting episodes. So I'll give Jerry a B plus. Yeah, B plus. I think that's the way to go. So good grades all around, Keeve. Where does the caddy rank for you? I guess I will predict for you. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know if it's top 30. Of a, uh, I feel like it's around the top 50 area. I'll say 44. Oh, you're pretty close. Yeah. I could not sneak it into the top 50. 
as much as I wanted to. So it's at 52, but... 52. Okay. It's such a good episode. I was episode. within the range of trying to find these. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, we're, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into these emails. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. We got a lot of emails uh, this week. So why don't we get it started with the man who I think I realized today probably gives me about 20% of my Twitter mentions uh, that he's been going through all of Breaking Bad and uh, many times a day uh, updates from where he's at. To say nothing of Evolution of Strategy. Yes. Well, he finished that and it's gone right into Breaking Bad. And I think Mm. that there's uh, many more notes coming from Breaking Bad. The only thing is you might need to start pumping out more content just to keep up with his tweets. Yes, I think so. So... (laughs) Johnny DeSevera wants to know, are we sure that Stan wasn't paid off by Sula Mishki to sabotage Kramer's lawsuit? Is that possible? Yeah, I, I do like the conspiracy theories. I think it's a good question. Might have been a better tag. Yeah, it would have been a good tag. And then it would have really justified Stan the Caddy's sort of existence because we never see him again. Yeah, if we just would have seen like Stan the Caddy eating a bunch of O'Henry candy bars at the end and like, oh, Ooh. you don't think that he might have, you, you know, right? I, you know, we just rewrote a much better ending to this episode. Yeah, because the Elaine ending, no, the but tag you could keep that fantastic. too. You could keep that ending and then just do a second tag. Yeah, I like that. He was working with Sue Ellen Mishki. Yeah, good theory, Johnny. That's good. She paid him off. She paid off the caddy <laughs> in candy. Yes. And I think you could probably do so. I don't know off the top of my head what you're doing with him and the and the bras or whatever. But I think that it also I think that that's like uh, maybe he's driving her around. So uh, I, I like it. Good stuff. Yeah, that's good. All right. I'm sure there's some sort of a bra golf thing that you could do. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know it's either. Yeah, it's probably. out there. OK. All right. Uh, maybe before the end of the show, it'll come to me. Uh, Craig from Vancouver, what does he have to say? Uh, he says, Sue Ellen's wearing a bra as a top in January in New York. Is she really risking getting pneumonia for revenge? Also, why didn't this take off from Seinfeld? We lost a world of only bra-wearing women. Uh, so he assumes it's revenge. That's what I found interesting. Like, I, we don't know that it's revenge. I, I, I think we're sort of neutral on whether Sue Ellen's getting revenge on them or not. Yeah, I don't know necessarily. I mean, the fact that she does go to Elaine's workplace is a point in the favor of revenge. But the fact that she walks around Manhattan for seemingly days and everybody sees oh, her. Oh, it's her thing. Then, it's her yeah, thing now. She makes it a thing. So she takes. She took the ball and ran with it. All right. What about okay. Paul? Paul, the Saints fan, says, I also feel that this episode, along with the next several episodes, do a good job of actually utilizing the Susan George engagement storyline or at least acknowledging its presence. I mean, Susan, Susan did nothing this episode, Paul. Okay. Uh, Max the Millennial. Uh, that He says, yesterday I started at NYU Tisch. Ooh, and at the orientation, <laughs> I found that one of my professors is Charlie Rubin, a writer credited with the marine biologist and the Fusili Jerry. When talking to him, he actually told me that he came up with the idea for the marine biologist. And he used to tell women that he was a whale doctor to pique their interest. He also said that he helped write the famous monologue. Well, hold oh, well, on, that, Charlie well, Rubin. That's the, you know, a bastard has no fathers but a <laughs> yes. success has a million <laughs> yeah i mean larry it is funny because you don't know you never know i mean everyone in hollywood lies about everything every single everything every single hollywood story ever is apocryphal right but the very famous story of course from that episode is that larry rewrites the mm-hmm. you know I, you know i like uh jennifer armstrong the yes. uh the, the lady we on had on of last course week we do um, but I feel like I love the Armstrong. Yes, but I feel like if I had like an hour with her before she wrote that book, I would have had her get to the bottom of stuff like this. 
Because mm-hmm. yeah, then maybe you start good. like accusing Larry of like, hey, you didn't really write the marine biologist. And then maybe you actually get Larry on the phone also. It's like a double whammy. Yeah, and nobody is like, boy, uh, I wrote that flag-burning scene in the Puerto Rican right, Day Parade. Right. Not, that was not mine. a lot of writers. <laughs> not a lot of yeah. like Spike Ferriston isn't like coming out and trying to get a talk show from from like mail on bonding, you know? Yes. It's, it's, so, it, everyone's taking credit for the soup Nazi and the marine biologist. Right. So Max is saying that he might be able to get us uh, his professor as a guest at some point. Well, the thing is, we did the episodes uh, that he wrote. I mean, I think that would be cool. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's so having guests at this point. I'm over it. It's so okay. long. <laughs> All right. What about Dan the Benefactor? He says, George says, in my, my presence in that office can only hurt my chances when he uh, gives his excuse that he went to the cabin instead of staying and working for the Yankees. So he goes to the cabin, and he spends all his time there crunching potential trades for the Yankees. Wouldn't it help his chances to get promoted if, I don't know, he does the same work he's already doing while sitting at his desk? I don't understand George's calculation here. Even when he's bad at his job, everything works out positively. So why would it be much better if he was actually trying hard and being good at his job? But it's not really his job to like start making trades. He hasn't gotten this gig yet. Maybe at the interview, he could come in with some trade ideas. But yeah, I feel like if you just worked at the Yankees and like sat there all day and made trade ideas, they would fire you unless you were the yeah. actual general manager. And I felt like that Susan was pressuring him to go to the cabin anyway. So he's just like, only just kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. OK, right, we got an interesting email from Dominic from Massapequa. We want, you know, yes. we always love the uh, Long Island emailers. Yes. Dominic wants to know, I just wanted to let you know that a handsome cab is because it's named after its creator, Joseph Handsome. It's a misconception that it's handsome. Now, what did Mr. Joseph uh, Handsome look like? That's my question. Oh, he was really a dog. Yeah. Uh, Akiva, I thought you were totally hosed out of the Fantasy Football League until you ranked the Rye too low at number 37. They probably made the right call. So your Ooh, rankings soon, have, been, soon. <laughs> have been shown to be <laughs> maybe that's Maybe that's why I got kicked out. They didn't like yes. my Seinfeld ranking. Keeve did draft the team. that We found out after the fact that actually that league was drafting while I was going to be on the plane. So yeah, Keeve actually you, you, I was I feel a like ringer. you're swallowing the lead. Like, the league was drafting while the namesake of the league was on a plane they didn't ask him the yeah time. <laughs> uh, i was thinking about it yesterday though that i do feel like that seinfeld missed the boat of a fantasy football i think if i was going to write a, a modern seinfeld spec script i think that i would do it about that they have a fantasy football league and then in like some sort of like danny tartable type fashion that kramer has a guy that's on his team and they end up sort of like because of some action of the core four that they that person ends up being scratched or going off because of an action from the core i'm sure this probably happened on the league probably did actually, happen on the yeah, league probably, yes. probably did happen on the league but i think that that would be a funny sci-fi yeah. episode and, if and they didn't already do this on uh it's always sunny in philadelphia or the league at some point yeah Lindsay says i have a hard time imagining any woman just agreeing to wait for a stranger in another strange man apartment in the middle of new york seems like the first few minutes of a crime show episode dealing with her inevitable murder yeah yeah it's kind of and like unless she like knows jerry or at least recognizes him as a comedian, not that being a comedian means you're not a murderer or a creep for sure, uh, but it's a good point. I think uh, she's a little, little too freewheel in there. But listen, it's you know, Sue El Mystery doesn't have a lot of uh, inhibitions. Yeah, Jeff writes in to say last week you were discussing what's the worst thing that ever happened to Jerry. I will submit that for someone as successful as him, it was probably not getting the pilot picked up. That's really what kept him from going to the next level as a comedian. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, were we also talking about like what the worst thing Jerry did was? I don't even remember. No, the worst thing that ever happened to him where Jerry's like, ah, I'll be fine. Yeah. I guess ultimately going to jail at the end of the series. I think someone else wrote in the, uh, the limo stuff where, where they were held at gunpoint by neo-Nazis. 
Yeah, but it was fine. It yeah, all I worked mean, out. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, uh, Travis writes in and says, last week we were bemoaning the uh, cyclicality of fashion. Look at him with the big word. Uh, with yeah. the fluctuations between wide ties and skinny ties. Are we similarly outraged this week? You know, the Sue Ellen Mishki-inspired Gatsby swing top has made a comeback in 2016 as Victoria's Secret pushes the bralette that can be worn as a top. No, Don't- I think that this was a straight <laughs> shot of it started with Sue Ellen Mishki and became the Victoria's Secret bralette top. I don't think there was a point. How do in you guys know about this? Is there a lot of commercials? I, I didn't know well, about this. Probably that. He I, says, I don't uh, want... "Don't forget to clear the search history, boys." Yeah, I feel like yeah, he got yeah. caught. I feel like maybe Abby caught Might him caught. googling. There was brawlets. no point in like 2016, or I'm sorry, in 2006 when everybody was like, uh, "Cover up, ladies!" Like there was, it just was like a straight, you know, straight line. Yeah, Amir says, "Is there any logic to Kramer suing Sue Ellen Mishki?" I assume his lawsuit must claim that she was negligent, but that seems like an incredible stretch. She was walking down a public sidewalk in an outfit that's 100% legal. It's unfathomable that this lawsuit isn't dismissed immediately and ends up actually making it into a courtroom. Yeah. Um, really, it does seem like Jackie Childs is trying to push a social agenda here that women should be covered up. Uh, I mean, that it's not really going to be seen as somebody who is in favor in a lot of women's issues, right? Uh, I, he's just, he's so starved for cases. He'll take any case and he's confident he'll win. Yeah, because she's rich. I, 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 he, Amir also says when George shows up at the coffee shop in the middle of the day, Jerry says, what the hell are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be at work? And Amir says, don't they constantly show up there at all days in the middle of, of the week at all times? Why is this different from the hundreds of other times they met up? It's not a bad point. That is bizarre. That is bizarre. Okay. When you close and it out here. Finally, boy, this is like a novel from Chester <laughs> uh, that you describe him as noted attorney Alexander Chester, who's spending the week doing pro bono work for orphans. Just kidding. He's in Macau for a bachelor party. That's all true. Boy, uh, is it like, uh, <laughs> like, what is this a uh, a fun bachelor party or are they like uh doing some sort of fantasy draft no it's fun but i think he's nervous how much money he's gonna have to spend i what? think he realized it's like a zillion dollars a zillion dollars all hey, right they're going to freaking macau that's like the plane ticket alone I is probably a tell grand you where that is on the map it's like I in, it's like hong kong continent it's on it's like yeah. hong kong area it's it's like i'm sure the flight's at least you know four figs somewhere okay all right well four figs all right so <laughs> here's kramer that he says uh, kramer discovers that sue ellen visited jerry because of an oh henry candy bar wrapper the sue ellen would carry them around wherever she goes yeah we talked about that uh a bit it did seem like you think that she'd carry fun size right oh he's definitely the fun well i now i always get mixed up from seinfeld is fun size the small one or the fun big size one is the small one yeah 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 okay. the funds she should carry the giant ones but then you know not exactly she can't exactly keep them in her bra if you know what i mean yeah chester is a little hard on george here i think he says that george's character alternates between being an awful liar and an amazing one in this episode it makes no sense that he says that he crawled into a ditch and his car was in the Yankees parking lot and he had to eat grubs and puddle water. He says there's no ditch next to the Yankee parking lot. <laughs> All right. That's nitpicking, Chester. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, uh, you know, little, grub eating. Uh, right. Also, he says that Kramer always says Jackie Childs is a great lawyer. But every time we see him, he's an awful lawyer. Jackie Childs repeatedly asks leading questions to the witness. He uh, is the opposing counsel should object this after Jackie's repeated actions. The judge should hold him in contempt. Also, in the Seinfeld universe, uh, that's where the OJ trial took place, right? I assume that Jackie says, like a glove on purpose, but maybe not. Why would Jackie agree to let her try on the bra, even if Stan insists? So, yeah, I mean, at some point, we have to say it's a comedy show, right? Yeah, yeah. Stop analyzing. Leave that to us. <laughs> Leave that to the professionals. Like, there's one thing between a nitpick and, like, you know, well, why did Jerry and, and Kramer always 
you know, go on crazy adventures together. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you got to leave some some stones unturned, Alex. Okay. Also, then <laughs> he says, this has always annoyed me. In Elaine's high school flashback, the guy she refers to as really cute is a complete tool. Elaine had terrible taste in men in high school, and so did Sue Ellen, if that's the guy that she's interested in. Now, in fairness, Elaine still has terrible taste in men. I mean, no how doubt. many yes. guys that has she dated as an adult that are complete tools? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Including Jerry? No, except for Jerry. Since Jerry, it's been all downhill. Yeah. Also, Chester wants to know, how does Kramer instantly find a wire hanger in the Yankees parking lot? Uh, well, it's a fair question. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I wish there were just hangers lying around. I'm always looking for like extra hangers for my shirts and stuff and can't find any. Yeah. And then finally, Chester says, I get that George Steinbrenner is a character on Seinfeld is insane. But because he can't find an employee on the parking lot for a couple hours, he decides to say he's dead and pays a personal visit to the employee's parents to notify them. Again, you know, I'm all for like taking a look at the plot holes, but uh, come on, that's really funny. Now, maybe we'll give Chester a higher standard for answering his questions next yeah. week. Let's grade Chester's email every week. What, oh, what that's do you give not Chester? bad. This yeah, is what a do you B-. Give Chester? Some weeks he's B-? very good. I, some weeks he's very good. I think it was a C plus. I think he was I'll really take getting... out like if someone writes in three questions a lot of times, I'll take out one or two of them for time. But usually yeah. I leave in all Chester's because they're usually relevant. But this week, I don't know. His head was, was already his in the cow, point? probably. What was his best point from the email? <laughs> um, the I mean, I th- we co- we covered it. But the idea that like Sue Ellen's just carrying around the O'Henry bars is uh, is a good question. Yeah, I think the hanger, too, is a fair point of why was there. Was and I'm a, shocked a hanger. That, that Kramer knows how to, like, jimmy a lock. That's kind of crazy. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Kramer can jimmy. <laughs> can jimmy jimmy? <laughs> jimmy can jimmy. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. What's the hashtag, Keith? Uh, can jimmy jimmy? <laughs> can, <laughs> no. Can, jim, can jimmy jimmy? You know. No. Give me something earlier in the episode. I'm trying to think. I feel like we had some good some good stuff, but you know, I don't have a pen and paper in front of me, so I am unable oh, to write down. Oh, they don't have pen down. and paper on Long Island? They do, but <laughs> not in this room that I'm in. That It's uh, really a, d- a disaster in here. That uh, It's just like uh, my mom has taken the basement apart because she had people working in the house and they moved a bunch of stuff in here. It's a disaster. Um, but there was a deleted scene where George Steinbrenner uh, yes. tells tells uh frank and estelle that they're gonna because of this he's gonna move the team to new jersey yes and he's gonna name it costanza memorial stadium he's like mm-hmm. or we could do like a dome we'll name it the costanza dome so i like costanza, uh, costanza dome. dome as a hashtag i like it i like it too i was gonna suggest layrits for bonds uh but the, <laughs> let's go with costanza dome yeah, well, then we're just turning off all our like canadian and australian listeners that's right all right <laughs> so keeve you can follow him on Twitter. He is at Keith26. 32 Fans Podcast is uh, bur- is uh, burning up a-, a storm on the iTunes charts in the preseason, right? No doubt. I mean, we're no we're doubt. almost done. I think we spoke to 31 fans. We didn't get the Washington professional football team. Their, uh, their uh, fan never showed up. And we had an emergency Typical. episode. Emergency episode to discuss the, uh, the uh, tragic injury to Ter- Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Uh, Keith, what's coming up next week? Next week, we got the seven. George comes oh. up with a great name, and uh, Jerry's girlfriend keeps wearing the same outfit. Very fun. All right. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who edits the podcast, and of course to Mike Moore, who writes the recap on postshowrecaps.com, where you can leave us comments anytime. We also appreciate your feedback and your star ratings at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.